And of course, perhaps our, our biggest contribution as a company to the Django community is uh, our Django style guide. Yep. What's, what is it? Well, it is a document on how to, <laughs> how to actually use, uh, how, how we actually use Django. So I think that the style guide word is... Welcome back, everyone. This is Hackcast season two, episode number eight. It's eight already. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and we are once again in our studio in Hacksoft's office. This is Ivaiwo. Hey. I am Radoslav. And Teddy is once again behind the camera. I think we forgot to mention Teddy in one of our previous episodes. Yeah, but Teddy is here all the time. Yeah, Teddy is here all the time. So, yeah, we will try not to forget mentioning her in the rest of the episodes. Uh, last time, last time we talked about Django in general, why we like it, why we still use it, why it's our primary tool when it comes to building backends. Mm -hmm. And for this episode, we will continue the topic and touch upon the Django community because there are some really good things going on there. And of course, discuss the Django style guide that we altered as a company yep. uh, and share our experience. But before but, we start, okay, yeah, uh, I want to make a general comment mm -hmm. because everything that we are discussing in Hackcast is something that's relevant for us at Hacksoft. It's our experience and the technologies that we discuss and the technologies that we like are the things that work for us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can say that something is not good or we don't like it, but it should be like read in the context of it's not good for us and it's not good from our experience with it. This does not mean it's not generally good or it's like re crap or something like this. It's really important to say that everything is from our experience and everything that we discuss actually works for us at Hacksoft for our day-to-day -day job of developing software. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, keeping in mind that we are a company, we are uh, developing a software for work, we need to make money on this, we are really focused on the things that work for us. And yeah. when you say that something is not like for us, it, it doesn't mean it is necessarily bad. It is just yes. not working for our projects, our use cases, our teams, whatever. Yes, and we are sharing the things that we are comfortable and confident with and that we can actually uh, build and iterate uh, quite fast mm -hmm. because this is important in this industry and after all our end goal is to deliver software for our users and users for our clients guide the entire process not, not just deliver software so uh, it's just speaking and sharing experience so keep this in mind and I hope this is going to be useful for someone else yes. our experience yeah and after this small general comment Let's talk about the Django community because we, we, we briefly touched upon it last episode, but I think uh, it deserves some more time and some more love because this is actually one of the reasons that we are still actively using Django because it has a great community. And for me, the, the community is like the sum of the third-party packages, the events, the individuals, the tutorials and blog posts, blog posts and articles, yeah. all around the internet. Uh, what else? Yeah, basically, all of this makes for a community. And in order to have a good community, you need to, to have like good stuff on all, all, all of those points. And starting with third-party packages, for example, which is your favorite third-party package in Django context? 
Okay, so I don't think we had a project without the Django REST framework installed in the project for the last yes. couple of years. So Django REST framework is definitely something that it feels like built into Django, but it's not. It, it definitely so we we don't have a project without Django REST framework because we use Django for backends and APIs. Mm -hmm. We don't rely that much on templates. Mm -hmm. So every every project has Django REST framework, and for me, it also feels like it should be part of the core core Django thing. What else? What else? Well, 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 the Django admin is something that we use a lot, but this is built into the Django. So yeah, it's this not is a, built in. Yeah, yeah it, it's not a third-party package. What else? What else? Hmm. I think there's there there are uh, a lot of utility packages that you just need in order to have a decent uh, development experience with Django. Mm -hmm. uh, st stuff like uh, Django course headers. Yes, it's like ev in every project we we have to configure it because. If you want, if you want to expose an API to a JavaScript frontend, mm -hmm. you actually need it. You need it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Celery, Celery is another thing that is the, the the Django Celery package. It is not part of Django in any way, but it plays really nice with Django. And it's even hard to me to to name the packages because they are installed in every project that we start. Yeah, because we have like a template for starting new projects, yeah. and they are already built in there. Because like ninety nine percent of the times you 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 actually need them. Yeah, and. Those are stable and mature packages that uh, allow you to actually build software using Django. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will also say the cache, uh, it's now, Django now has like a native support for Redis, but there's yeah. still a, a Redis, uh, Django Redis caching library, mm -hmm. which has more features uh, integrated in it. And it's, it's really great. So it's, every project needs some kind of, uh, of a cache or interaction with Redis, so this is something that we that we always use. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I really like the third-party uh, package ecosystem because there are stable and mature projects, but there are also uh, quite experimental projects, new things coming and being tested, and there is like always something new to try. And the thing that I love uh, I love doing is I'm subscribed to the Django News newsletter. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that I think they are sending it once every week, but uh, every time I receive the new issue of the newsletter, I open everything. There are like links and packages and just read about the packages that are included there and think, can we find the use case for this particular package? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, I usually then go on and share this in our internal Slack. We have channels for this. And uh, I usually say something like, "Hey, this might be useful in those cases. If if we if it is the case that we have those cases in various projects, we can take a look at the at the packages or how they are implemented. Mm -hmm. And this is extremely helpful. And I like this interaction a lot. Yeah, newsletters are actually a core part of the community too. So not only yeah. blog posts and articles, but newsletters are kind of important for a mature community. You know what? What else is a core part of every project? What? Uh, the uh, uh, bottle tree package that basically interacts with the S3, yeah. uh, AWS S3, and it is. I think it's uh, basically interacts with the, with all of AWS's uh, services. Services, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is that it's not used only by by, by Django users. It's like a Python package that you can yes. use for for almost everything. Just like Celery, just like a lot of our tools. Uh, a lot of other tools that we use in Django, but they are not only for Django. They are just yep. packages for Python. And if you're doing some some Django work, you can use them. Oh yeah, uh, for for sure. Django Django's uh, third-party package ecosystem sits on shoulders of giants, which is basically the Python's third-party package ecosystem, which is huge and it's even better. Mm -hmm. There are mm -hmm. packages for 
almost everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, uh, because you mentioned Boto, Boto, Boto Tree, Boto Tree, yeah. or as we call it, Boto Tree, Boto Tree, is <laughs> <laughs> easy to, easier to say. Uh, we use Django storages almost exclusively in all of our projects. Uh, because it has a decent implementation for storing your media and static files on Amazon mm-hmm. infrastructure mm-hmm. and also other, but yes. we rely mostly on Amazon. And it's one line. Conf- the thing that I really like is the one line configuration to uh, make your media files be served from CloudFront. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just one line, the distribution, and then it handles the rest. And then your media files are now served from a proper globally distributed CDN. Mm-hmm. I really like this. It is nice. It is nice. And S3 is now a standard. It's not only an AWS thing because every every major cloud provider has an alternative to S3, so, some kind of yes. storage. And Django is already adapted to use like every every yes. cloud provider's S3. Yes, which is, again, which is huge. Go, go, goes back to our previous discussion that Django is a factor when you are building... Uh, new things for developers you need to integrate also with Django if mm-hmm. you are a new service mm-hmm. so that's that's very important and on top of that there are quite a lot of uh, tutorials materials and blog posts uh, for how to do various things with Django I think the internet is filled with this yes. uh, there are some excellent tutorials there are some good tutorials of course there are some subpar tutorials but the thing is there are enough materials to get you going and to how to say never be stuck or rarely be stuck uh, with something that's not supported or not at least somehow described for uh, how, to, how to be achieved, mm-hmm. which is great. It is, it is. Yeah. We are trying to write some some tutorials, some things that we yeah. do a lot. So, yeah, we have a lot of blog posts in the pipeline. Uh, we, I, th- I guess the problem is time, but we will get, get to there once we go through the style guide. All right, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, another big part of the community are the events, mm-hmm. and for us especially DjangoCon. DjangoCon, yeah, and even on the uh, Python events, like half of the topics are about Django most yeah. most of the time. So there are there are definitely a decent amount of events. They are really nice. Like, do do you remember our first uh, DjangoCon? Uh, the location? The the the. the can you can you try to help me about this? Germany? The German? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember. Yeah. Well, in, it was 2018 in Heidelberg. I think this was our very first uh, Django con that we went as as a company. Mm-hmm. And ever since, aside from the pandemic, uh, it's kind of a uh, what's the word for it? Something that you do r- regularly. Uh, a, Hmm. A routine, no. A routine, let's say routine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so every year, if there is a Django con, we uh, kind of make an organization and try to attend uh, with with some folks from from Hacksoft. And we've been to 2018, 2019, and this year I guess was the first one after the pandemic that mm-hmm. was offline, mm-hmm. and we went to uh, Porto. Yeah, Porto was Porto was Django con. Yeah. And I, I really like those events. I like the vibes. I like the people that are attending the events. There's always someone to talk to and so like discuss interesting topics. And for uh, it's not this year's, but last year, 2022, it's 2022 yeah. already. Mm-hmm. For 2022, DjangoCon, uh, I actually was picked with a topic, which was great. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was really appreciated. And I think it went well. Yeah. Yeah, you can watch it. Uh, we will put some something here. Teddy will put something here. Yeah. 
Uh, so you can watch it, uh, the, the, the talk from last year's DjangoCon. So events are also great. Uh, the vibe, generally. And the thing that we are currently trying to do uh, in Sofia in Bulgaria, we are trying to form a community, a Django community, because there are other companies that are using Django and there are some academies uh, that are teaching Django. Mm -hmm. I think most of the major academies... Uh, in, in Sofia and in Bulgaria teaching Django like Softoni, like Telerik. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're trying to we're trying to form a community and do monthly Django meetups. It's called Django Bulgaria. And we we had it good before the pandemic. Then of course three years pause. And now we are uh, from last year we're trying to restart it. We're trying to make events every month and we are still trying to figure out how to get to everyone who's on the community and make them come to actually mm -hmm. to the events or even do a talk so this is something that we're trying to do uh as hacksoft in bulgaria to nurture a django community here it's definitely harder after the pandemics i think to yes to make physical events and to make people actually come there yeah so yeah if you're watching this and nope. you're from Sofia. Yeah, <laughs> please <nope>. come. <laughs> and there is uh, uh, online stream too. So if you yeah. cannot, if you're, if you're not from Sofia, you can join online. So, so yeah, our general idea is just to have a good community where we can do good discussions and help each other. Like this, this is yep. all we want to do. Yeah, and of course we are uh, we are corporate sponsors to some Django stuff, the Django REST framework. And Django itself. And the Django itself, yeah. So we, tell us more. Okay, so started from, I think, early 2017. We are yep. su supporting the Django REST framework. I'm not sure about when we started supporting the actual I, Django. I think last year. Last year, okay. So, um, yeah, it's basically really important for the libraries to be there and to have active maintainers. And these active yes. maintainers, they need to spend a lot of time on this, so they need the money to, to do so. And as a company, we feel like important to donate to 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 send some funds yep. in order to ensure that the projects are still there they're still maintained and just say thanks to the folks that are doing them yeah the uh, django is basically open source an open source project django rest framework the same and uh, the folks that are maintaining both they need money to survive yes. and it's usually a some kind of a donation procedure mm -hmm. uh with rest framework it was 2017 i think they were the first to or one of the first packages to actually put it on their website subscribe here through stripe and mm -hmm. we'll just put your logo there mm -hmm. which was great and uh for django from i think last year we are sponsoring via github sponsors which makes it really really easy because if you are a bigger bigger organization you don't have to justify um those funds yeah. in order to just wire money to django you can mm -hmm. just pick it and add it to your github monthly bill which is great and this is what we're doing uh, with our github monthly bill it's easier uh, yep and it's invoiced in the github invoice which is something that i, I would hi highly recommend if you are a company using django just add some kind of support on github and yeah, this is our way to at least say thank you and uh, keep on doing what you're doing. And I, I think we even uh, did a few things extra this year. We, we tried to at least organize some kind of a campaign through social media for the fundraising mm -hmm. uh, because for 2022, uh, Django was fundraising something like 200K in dollars. 200K, yeah. Yeah. 
and it was barely on the 31st of December when the sum was, was reached. So mm -hmm. we tried posting on social media. Uh, I wrote to quite a lot of folks in Bulgaria who are working with Django if their companies can support it. And I believe we, we helped a little. Yeah, and we are actively trying to, to support the projects in other ways, like opening issues if we find something suspicious yep. or we find a bug, contributing some kind of code or a temporary solution or something, be active in the discussions. But it's definitely not enough. There, there are full-time people that are working oh, yeah. on both of the projects and they need to survive somehow. So yeah, Django is complex and you need, it is. You need the full attention of uh, smart folks in order to uh, continue running it. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, perhaps our our biggest contribution as a company to the Django community is uh, our Django style guide. Yep. What's what is it? Well, it is a document on how to <laughs> how to actually use uh, how, how we actually use Django. So I think that the style guide word is not the perfect word for this document, but it is uh, just a document saying, "Hey, we are using Django in this way." We are following these best practices because from our experience with Django, it's pretty easy to uh, follow some non-best practices. Mm -hmm. And here are here, here is what worked for us. And it is great for us because it makes all the projects in, Hux, in Hacksoft relatively consistent with each other. Yes. Which is really important to us because you definitely want to work in a consistent code base through, yes. throughout the projects. And it is basically sharing our experience with different uh, use cases, for example, if you want to do something, this is, this is how we do it. It it, it, yes. it it is good enough for us. It may not be the perfect solution for your use case. So this is a big disclaimer here. Yeah. But it's basically a document saying how we do Django. Yeah, so it's for me, it's three things. It's derived from experience because we've been working with Django for more than eight years, mm -hmm. perhaps some, somewhere, someplace around 10. Mm -hmm. It's derived from experience and it's uh, the things that we've seen that are actually working for Django projects that were both big and small. Yes. No matter the scale. Uh, it's, it's quite pragmatic. And I think this is really important because since it was derived from experience, it was derived from actual production experience for things that needed to be shipped and needed to be supported and needed to be maintained. So it's pragmatic. Mm -hmm. It's not that, uh, how to say, theoretical or philosophical. It's it, it, it's pragmatic. It's things that we found to actually work for us. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is it's opi opinionated. Yes. It's our opinion on how to do uh, some certain uh, things with, with Django. Mm -hmm. And I suppose this is perhaps, for some people, this might be the problematic part. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, But I think at least now we've done a good job of uh, saying, hey, this is our opinion and this is from experience and this is pragmatic. Now, you can follow it strictly or you can just cherry pick the things that make sense to you or you can just ignore it and go to some other uh, Django style guides. There are out there. I think we've actually linked them in mm -hmm. our style guide. Mm -hmm. So people can uh, figure out what works for them, what makes sense for them. And if our Django style guide makes sense for them, then we're more than happy. Yeah, so our, our Django style guide is really focused around having the full control over your code base and over your business logic. Because a lot of tutorials with Django, a lot of articles, they go about how easy it is to build something without writing a lot of code. But every major project comes to a point where you need the full control. So we have seen a lot of projects that go wrong because people are using 
less code people are using some generic yes. some some uh, let's say model serializers things that just give you the ability to write less code but you don't have the control needed and we and, yeah. and when the project gets complex and you don't have the control needed that's the point where you start to write messy code and it doesn't really scale well at all yes so the thing is at, at certain scale the the most important thing is to have control over your code base and our style guide leans towards this control mm -hmm. and one of the general ideas is we, it's a bit theoretical and philosophical, but one of the general ideas uh, is about code locality, which means things that should belong together should be put as close as possible in yeah. the same file. Mm -hmm. And uh, and boundaries. We, we like to have this uh, idea of separation of concerns on the framework level, not like separation of concerns on your business level, mm -hmm. but rather on the framework level. Yeah and have different parts of your framework handle very specific needs. Because the very first thing that we addressed with our style guide was the use of generic APIs for both standard Django views and REST framework views. Yes. Why? Because they don't give you a lot of control. Yes. And most of the time you need this control. And even if you don't need the control at the beginning, you better have it from the beginning because otherwise you need to rewrite and rewrite. And sometimes you don't want to rewrite, sometimes you want to continue forward and write more and more and more. And at certain point, if you, if you don't have the control, you're just writing messy code that's hard to test, hard to understand, and it's not obvious what it's what is going on. Yeah, so two, two, two problems for me. First, if you are relying heavily on generic APIs, meaning that you're also relying on model serializers, for example, yes. your domain or business logic, basically the thing that runs your application mm -hmm. is now fragmented. Yes. It's located in the API, it's located in the serializer, it's located in the model, mm -hmm. it's located in the manager, and it's located in the signal. Mm -hmm. So you can easily, without much sweat, fragment your uh, application logic on five different places, Yes. five different files, and the only way to know what's actually happening is to trace it and basically build a diagram or use, use some tool to build your diagram. But basically you need you need to put in, put in a lot of effort in order to figure out what's going on. Yes, we have seen so many projects that it's hard to, to, to understand what's going on yeah. just because the business logic is everywhere. It's really yeah. easy to say, okay, I need to, let's say, trigger an email every time a blog post is created or something like that. I'm going to put this in a signal. Mm. But then you want to add a little bit more of business logic and put it in the safe method of the model, let's say, yeah. or the safe method of the model serializer. So in the end of the day, the business logic is everywhere in the project, which is which which starts to get extremely hard to work with. Yeah, and uh, this, it, it, first it gets hard to work with, then it gets hard to trace, and then it introduces a lot of hidden regressions yes. because the generic things kind of push you to reuse code, to have a lot of code reusability, and suddenly you're cha changing a serializer three levels down, yes. and something that you, uh, you don't expect to break actually breaks because the generic stuff kind of forces you to reuse code. Yes. And the other thing is, uh, aside from fragmentation, it hides things from you. Mm -hmm. You're not really uh, sure how things are working. And sometimes uh, part, of, uh, part of the control flow of your application logic goes through the internal implementation of Django and Django REST framework, which for me is, is really bad because then you need to know really well how the generic APIs are working and what's the code and control flow there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
in order to build things. Yes, and if everything is everywhere, you cannot really test it. You cannot test the create a post uh, blog post uh, flow if the code is everywhere. You need to, I don't know, API test it or like... Yeah, uh, this is an interesting topic and people can listen to uh, my talk from uh, last year DjangoCon because it touches on this. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, fragmentation and hiding uh, of control flow are actually the things that, that, that will... Uh, take control from you and not give you give control to you. Mm -hmm. it, it's really like it's great to do it because if you open the documentation and the examples are like three liners, four liners, five liners, and you're like, oh wow, I can build really fast <laughs> uh, this API. But it's this is not the case, and rarely uh, in the real world, it's rarely the case where you need a full RESTful API and CRUD on all models. Mm -hmm. If you are if, if you need full RESTful API, just better not use Django. Be better use let's say. Uh, something headless, some some service, something that just stores data in the database and just returns it to you. If, yep. this, if this is your use case, probably Django is not the the best tool for you. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And oh, the style guide introduces so so the style guide says a lot of things, but uh, if I can summarize in two points, that they are use the plainest possible API, mm -hmm. which for REST framework is API View. Mm -hmm. Your application and business logic should be wrapped together in a specific box that we call the service layer. Yes. So the service layer can be a simple function mm -hmm. that takes some input and returns some output and does everything that needs to be done uh, for a single action based on your application and on your domain mm -hmm. in one place. And then... Um, and you can use classes, you can use modules, you can use functions, whatever, whatever, whatever works. You want, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and th those are those are the two things that we say. Mm -hmm. So, the Django style guide introduces another set of boxes where you can put your things, where you can put your code in. Mm -hmm. So you have better separation of concerns on the framework level, and you have more flexi flexibility and more control on your control flow, code flow, and application and business logic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I would say that all of this is about your application architecture, you know, yeah. the, the bigger picture. And we have some hints about the smaller things, about styles, naming conventions, things like this, that may yeah. be really, really you know, nice to have in your project. Maybe you're missing them and they're making your life way easier if you're a developer. Yeah. So so it's definitely worth checking it. Yeah, and again, there, there are some ideas that revolve around code locality, meaning put your serializers inside your API, don't don't reuse serializers if you don't need to uh, put put your put the filters there. Basically, rely on things being together, like in the code being in the same place, and reduce the level of indirection, which is how many times you have to jump in order to get to to the the like the core part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it served us really well, and it's still serving us really well. And as you said, there. Quite a lot of other things in our Django style guide. There is also an example project. Mm -hmm. uh, you can uh, basically find it on GitHub. Just Google Django style guide, and it, it will it will show up. On it's hack software. Yeah, again showing it here. Uh, I have a rant. What is your rant? <laughs> I'm not sure if we have two consistent um, company accounts that are either Hacksoft or it's. At some places, Hacksoft is taken and we are Hack Software. Mm -hmm. At some places, Hack Software is taken and we are like Hack Software Dash yes. or Hack Software Official. 
or yeah this is my rant yeah i guess when we get to a certain size you're going to figure this out but for now it's, it's what it is yes <laughs> it's pain it is it is yeah the example project is really nice we are using it for kickstarting almost every yep. hour project because there is a lot of uh thought being done in terms of configurating your tools yep. there and setting up salary, setting up the Django REST framework, uh, setting up your configuration file in a proper way, and basically have everything you need together bundled up and ready to start. Yeah, and uh, what I like about the example project is whenever we are doing a Django blog article, mm -hmm. usually it, it has code, and when you're writing this, this article, you need to test your code. Mm -hmm. And sometimes this code needs to be maintained afterwards, yes. and we have articles with code that's not maintained it's right now kind of not up to date and we're trying to make it up to date but mm -hmm. with the existence of the Django style guide example what we're trying to do is to put the actual code and example from the blog post in the style guide example because then it's actually maintained and if you have tests it, it's something going to check if the, if the code is actually working and this is what we're trying to this is what we're trying to do yeah since since we are using the Django example project every day uh, like yeah. for, for for every new project, we are we are maintaining it actively, mm -hmm. and if you don't need some some part of it, just ju just remove it. But that guarantees that the snippet from the article and the link that we have there is going to be maintained as yeah almost forever. It's going to work. Yeah, uh, and, and we still we still have a lot of work to do in the style guide. Yes, to be honest. And the biggest, of course, concern and problem and issue is time. Yeah, it's definitely time consuming to contribute back to the style guide whenever yeah. you introduce a new concept, whenever you introduce a new idea. It needs to have a, a, a decent discussion before before putting it back to the, uh, contributing it back to the style guide and it's it, it's time consuming. Yeah, and sometimes depending on, on, on what we do and because right now we are kind of trying to get Hacksoft to the next level, to, to be more stable, to be more mature, to grow as a company. Mm -hmm. This is where our time and energy goes to, our focus goes to and sometimes we neglect uh, the style guide, but not like not in a bad way. It's still very relevant. But sometimes people are asking questions and we are answering back in six months, which is bad. Yes. But sometimes people ask questions and we answer back in one day and they're quite happy, mm -hmm. which is good. And the thing is we need to lean more towards answering quicker and maintaining it and adding, because we're sitting on a lot of knowledge mm -hmm. around Django that is not in the style guide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I suppose we need to do something about it. I'm not really sure what and how, but we need to do something about it. We need. Talking about people asking questions, people are not only asking questions, but proposing ideas, which is, again, yeah. really important to me because a lot of people are just asking, hey, how to do that, which is, okay, we need to spend the time reading and explaining. But some people are saying, oh, I see you're doing this in this way. I see the upsides, but, uh, but, but here are some downsides. Here is how we do it, and we can just learn from this pull request issues, whatever yes. whatever uh, we call them, and just contribute back to the style guide, which is which is a huge value for me. Or, or, or just say, we're going to link this in the style guide as, as an alternative way or yes. approach. Because after all, the style guide is, at least this is, this is our philosophy, it's not the only right way to do Django. Mm -hmm. It's the way we do Django, but there are other ways that are as viable. And it's always great to have a discussion with uh, other folks for other ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and GitHub is giving this, yeah. uh, giving us the platform for this, which is which is huge. And I think we covered the community and we covered the style guide. Yep. 
my my suggestion would be to go on and actually read the entire style guide and see what's going to work for you and what's not going to work for you. And uh, for us, we need to do a couple of iterations. There are some open pull requests and issues that we need to address. We love the Django community. It's part of the reason why we are still actively using Django to build software. And perhaps we have to cover one more thing for the next Hackcast episode. Probably the infrastructure and how to set up yes. the things. Okay, yeah, that seems like a nice topic for the next episode. Yeah, so I'm going to be asking questions and you will be providing all of the answers. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thank you very much. I think that's it for episode number eight. Uh, we are almost at the end of our season. So season two is going to be 10 episodes and we've already started making plans for season three. Uh, again, Hackcast, this is the official podcast of Hacksoft. It's us sharing things from the internal structure of the company and how we do things. Uh, and we will love it if you like, subscribe and ask questions, ask things that are interesting to you uh, for... The context is no, ma no matter what, we are a software development company, we do quite a lot of things, so you might have questions that are interesting to you, ask them, and at some point we will most certainly answer them. So, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>